Welcome to Asset Management Group's private client-only podcast with Andrew Nida and Mo Param. It's Andrew Nida, Moise Param here on October 30th, the last Friday of the last Friday. Listen to me, last Monday. I'm used to doing the show on a Friday. To, yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> last Monday of the uh, of the month, and Halloween's tomorrow. Right around the corner. Oh man, you got big plans? Um, yeah, come to your house. Oh, that's right. <laughs> well, Listen. I, well, I to to be fair, I didn't know about this till yesterday. Okay, to so. be fair, I didn't know about it till yesterday either. Um, we uh, yeah, we we were actually at where were we at? We were at the uh, um, Apple Orchard in LJ, which there's a lot, right? There's a lot of Apple Orchards out right. there. We we went there yesterday, and we were getting just. Uh, I, I'm a sucker for like all the canned stuff. You know, like all of it, pretty yeah. much. And Amy's like, "This is ridiculous. You're going to spend." Them. So I put some back, but either way, a lot of that stuff. Drew was like, "Oh, we could make the apple cider for Halloween." Mo and them are coming over, and I'm like, "Really? They're coming over?" Yeah, I had no idea. We were at Grayson soccer soccer match yesterday, and uh, we were there. It was Amber and Grayson's girlfriend sitting on the on the bleachers, and she just said, "Oh, um, something about yeah for Grayson's party uh, at Andrews." Uh-huh. On Tuesday, and I was like, Grayson's party? What are you talking about? Let's go. It's a like, Halloween, Grayson's party, Andrews. And I was like, I guess I'll be there. Well, and we have a, I told Amy, I'm like, well, if they're coming, we should make like uh, like boiled peanuts and and hot uh, cider and get a, on the street. You know, we have a historic home, so that's like a perfect, and, and these iron gates. Yeah. We could hang like uh, lights on and stuff. Like it's a perfect haunted house, really. I could see that. And yeah. we could give candy out to yeah. to the kids that come by. I felt like it was a great idea. Amy's like, no, no, you know. So no candy. She's a fun. She's being a fun sponge. Oh, we're doing candy. No, but yeah. just not, just not going all out with lights and. No, we're going all out. We <laughs> we don't do anything halfway. I will say a, a note for um the health note of the week. Um, I have started my life change. Is what I'm calling okay. it. Okay. Life change health plan, uh, which incorporates a program called Octavia. Don't panic. I'm not selling Octavia, okay? <laughs> because actually it pretty much sucked all weekend, if I'm honest. And what a terrible weekend to test yourself when you have a massive Halloween party on Saturday with like 20 families plus some of the best home cooking you'll ever experience. And I had to look. I did good. I did good. I looked at it and and I and I Tasted went it. I went and ate my little bar and and cried inside deeply. You really didn't eat anything? No, I didn't. Oh wow! No, I stayed away. That is, that is, yeah. I am impressed by that. I can't guarantee I didn't drink anything, but I did stay. <laughs> but I stayed with zero calories and zero sugar. And I'm not telling that to my Octavia coach. But I have lost already eight pounds. And how long? In a week? Um, no, I just started. Uh, not even a week ago. I started I like three, four days ago. I can't be healthy. Well, I don't. I feel great. <laughs> so, anyway, anybody wants to join the challenge? It's such a fantastic time of year to go ahead and lose weight. That way, it's one thing you don't have to worry about on your New Year's resolution. That's right. Yeah, get ahead of the curve. Yeah, you do it now, and then you can have other things you wish for. I love it. What a great strategy and plan. Anyway, more important though than our health talk for the week is the market minute. It's time for the bull. <laughs> Bear Market Minute. 
Yeah, it was a uh, rough week in the market last uh, last week. You know, Nasdaq was down about two point six seven percent. S and P down two point three five. Dow Jones just shy of two percent. Russell what one and a half. The bond market though was up almost one percent last week. Oh, fantastic! Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Negative for a decade, but we get one <laughs> one week of sunlight. Uh, it was an important week last week. You know. Uh, all year, the talk for the market has been the magnificent seven. Uh, you know your ammo, your ammos, your apples, your Amazon, your uh, Nvidia's, and such and such, and Facebook. But uh, four of them, four or five of them, were reporting la- earnings last week, and so because they were basically the seven that were driving the S and P five hundred, their earnings were crucial to see if, for sure, you know, especially some of the cuts that they made earlier in the year and their advancements in AI. Uh, so some positive results for some of the companies, but still, um, you know, the, the conversation of, you know, with what we'll, we'll talk about earlier, I mean, later on today with, you know, GDP and spending and the economy overall, are some of these companies kind of reached their peak? Do we need to reset? Um, and uh, essentially, that's what we saw last week was a little bit of a contraction in uh, the overall broad market. Yeah. Well, I think there was a lot of there's well, there's been a lot of question this entire year really surrounding uh, whether or not the Magnificent Seven were just overbought. Yes. You know, and if the price has been driven up for anything material or if it's just for the hype of maybe, you know, being overly optimistic about what we want to see the economy do instead of what it really is doing. Right. Um, but yeah, I'm a good point. And so just a quick little summary here, uh, consumer spending, which is incredible, but it's once again, it follows the narrative. Consumer spending posted a 0.7% month-to-month gain mm. in September ahead of forecast. Uh, the first estimate of Q3 2023 GDP came in at a big 4.9%, solidly above forecast 43 Listen to this, the strongest reading since Q4 of 2021. Mm. Okay. Consumer spending rose 4%, also the biggest gain since Q4 2021. Wow. Okay. Um, and, we, and we've talked about this, right? Mm-hmm. Consumer spending being what really is, you know, the driver here, um, which is really kind of beating all odds, you know. Uh, things don't feel right, but but the resilient individual consumer continues yeah. to, to purchase. People like me continue to spend $9 on canned goods. That makes <laughs> no sense for apple butter. You know, people like me, Amber and I got Amber a car last weekend. Right. So, yeah, I mean, consumer spending for, uh, you know, consumer spending overall accounts for about two thirds of the U.S. economic activity. Mm-hmm. And so when it when it accelerates at that point, you know, it is um, it is interesting to see what the numbers are behind it. You know, there was increase in goods and services. Um, uh, goods were increased by 0.7 and that was led by prescription medication, which is actually interesting that they put that in there. Uh, yeah. New light trucks, food and beverages outside of recreational goods and, and uh, uh, spending on services actually boost up by 0.8%. A lot of it was international traveling, housing, utilities, healthcare, airline, transportation services. International travel. People are, people are out there. <laughs> well, I ain't going nowhere international right now. <laughs> nowhere. Yeah. So, you know, it's spending. But but in addition to spending, though, what was interesting is that disposable income fell for the third straight month. Yeah, right. Right. Which is which is the constant trouble. Right. Struggle, if you will. And really um, finding a, a, a solid foundation in a way to understand where we're at economically. Right. Wages are falling. Right. Right. And we're not seeing a lot of wage growth. We're not seeing a lot of wage growth. That's right. 
And when the personal savings rates, I think, slowed by like 3%, I mean, people are not spending, but not saving. And so are you sacrificing your savings just to continue to consume? Because a lot of these, you know, outside of prescription medications, obviously, um, and maybe cars, depending on, you know, what season of life you're in, like Amber and I, we needed the car. Like her car basically uh, just just rode its last rode its last <laughs> leg, so we needed she needed the car. But when you think about food and beverages, recreational goods, uh, international travel, right, air airline transportation services, some of that is just in some aspects just luxuries, right? Absolutely. And are you sacrificing your savings for just that constant consumption? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're you're 100 right, and. You know, we'll see. People people keep going. And I think we're seeing a nice little break at the pumps, right? So maybe oh, yes. people feel a little bit more confident being able That's to point. spend a little bit more, a little bit less pressure there. Um, I know the power bill has been a lot better. Listen, if you own a historic home, you notice the difference in your power bill, right? <laughs> because <laughs> it runs such a wide range. And, you know, over the last month, uh, the weather's been somewhat neutral. And as a result, you know, you're not having to generate a whole lot of power, at least here in the South. And so, you know, for that reason, we're seeing a little bit, little bit of extra funds there, which is probably also a, a help, extra support for spending. Uh, note of the week. This is interesting. New home sales beat expectation in September, mm. jumping 12.3% month over month to a seasonally adjusted annual rate of 759,000 units and accelerated to 33.9% year over year. That 700 and call it 60,000 figure handily beat expectations for 680,000 units and is the strongest since February 2022. Get the heck out of here. Wow. Get the heck out of here. Wow. The strongest since February 2022 as far as overall growth month over month. And guess what? February 2022, rates were a whole heck of a lot oh, different yeah. yes. than, than today. Prices were a lot different than we are today. You know, I, I was reading something about the mortgages, though. One of the things that's kind of the hot ticket right now, which we haven't seen, I want to say that this hasn't been really a conversation since it's not, it doesn't go, I think it's probably like early 2000s. There was a kind of a glitch there. And then, and then before then, it, we're looking back in like the 70s and 80s, but um, is assumable loans. There's a lot of there. There seems to be a peak in people's ability to purchase property, so long as it's contingent on the ability to assume the current owner's loan. Right, right. Which and we're experiencing, you know, personally an investment property that we're looking at in Florida. That's exactly what we're doing, and it would make no other sense if we couldn't assume a loan at the current rate. So you're seeing a lot of lenders out there participate in that activity. Um, I think here as well. What goes on? Not get too deep into it, but what what goes along with that process? You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, first off, not all loans are assumable. I yeah. think that's that, that that needs to be noted. But a lot of them are, and basically, it's a it's a pretty lengthy process. It's three to five months for most um, financial institutions, and is so long as the credit ability of the of the consumer, okay, matches what they gave the original owner. Okay. A, a kind of a general example, this is not finite, but a general example would be if, if I have a, uh, let's call it a credit score of, you know, 750, if you will. And another individual who got the original loan was a 750 and they were able to get the loan at 3% back in 2022. Then I have the ability to assume and step into that loan. They completely remove the current, uh, borrower. Right. 
and and the loan becomes mine at the same terms and rates. There is some small financing fees added to redo the loan, but um, but that's it. Uh, it's it's worthwhile if you're going to wow. look at purchasing any property. Interesting. And owner financing is becoming a hot topic too. Owner financing, yeah, yeah, which is which is pretty interesting too. Um, if you, you know, have the ability to do it, yeah, right, right. If you have the ability to to lend. Um, obviously there's more risk there and you're lending at rates pretty relative to like current savings rates mm-hmm. without risk. So, but those aren't usually 30 year notes. Those are no matter of fact, I, I would, I would throw this out there. If you guys are ever in a situation where you're considering an owner finance to somebody, um, you need to give us a call. Let us work through that situation um, just so you, that you're not caught in, in an awkward situation or, or scenario. And if you're looking to to participate in owner finance as the borrower, you know, in that situation, you want to make sure your duck's in a row too. So a lot of little elements go on with that, but um, it's definitely something you sh- you can consider. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the lending and the credit and the debt landscape they're in right now is completely upside down. Completely upside and down. And people are looking for ways, companies are looking for ways to, you know, to adapt to, uh, you know, just make the best of the situation right now. I spoke to a client of ours who is a uh, mortgage originator and he said he's having his worst year in over 20 years. For sure. For sure. You know, so he says in his, in his mindset, it is, it is the lenders that survive this are going to be so much better because there's just going to be like a, a lot of drop off. Mm-hmm. And lending institutions and mortgage lenders and originators because of what we're going, what's going on right now. Well, and I, you so know, he's confident because right. of you know what the system that he's built, but it's it's been a tough year for him. Well, it makes you wonder, you know, and this this can happen in any industry, right? But there's it's I mean it, it is in the grind right now. Um, is how much do do businesses prepare for seasons like this? Because if you look at lending, you know, and mortgage and brokers they just came out of a season that was like no other, right? You know, refined was mm. the name of the game, new loans, the name of the game. I mean, it was, it was a hot yeah. for several years. And I'm sure along with that came this in the back of their mind thinking this ain't going to last forever. This is abnormal. And what follows such a extreme peak in business production potentially could be a, a valley. And so maybe, you know, we'll see who prepared for it. Right. You know, but I don't, that would be tough for sure. Feel bad, you know, feel for those, those folks in that industry. All right. You ready? Ready. Let's jump into the, the greater overall planning topic, which is around this conversation of taxation, um, making the best decision. Last week, we talked a little bit about distribution, liquidity, and uh, structure in some aspects how structuring your assets on the, as you're saving and taking into consideration the tax the tax nature of those investments, how that plays a part when it comes to distributions or retirement. Yeah. And and some of these some of these conversations that Mo and I are having with you, they're they're obviously quite complicated conversations to have without giving you visuals and the ability to draw it out. So hang with us through it. But but yes, co- uh, distribution from a taxable perspective is obviously an important thing. Um but the next important thing that we want to cover right now is conversions. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, most of you guys have heard about conversions. You've watched some type of YouTube video about it, or you've heard a friend discuss it. And we just want to kind of give you a simple breakdown of what a conversion is 
and why you would consider it and what are the elements that you need to be thinking about when you're considering it or what elements do we think about as the advisor? So first off, Mo, help, help the, our clients understand what, what simply is a conversion. So a conversion is essentially taking some or all of your pre-tax dollars from an IRA or a 401k, 403b, any, any of those savings vehicles that you saved on a tax-deferred basis. Basically, you haven't paid in taxes on the contributions or the growth. And then converting, changing them into after-tax Roth accounts. So essentially taking an IRA and turning it into a Roth. Um, essentially, that's what uh, a, a Roth conversion is. And in that process of going from pre-tax to after-tax or basically tax-free, there's a tax question, you know, uh, paying the taxes, one, and is it the right time to pay those taxes? Right. And we've talked about over the past few weeks, timing, Um, even from like a contribution standpoint, we discussed, you know, when's the right time to fund an IRA versus a Roth, you know, your higher income earning years, that type of thing. And we talked about this whole concept of play in this tax game at home. Uh, we've also mentioned, you guys have heard us uh, reference that in meetings and stuff like that. Conversion is just the tool in which we implement. Okay. But, but it sounds, you know, I would say as a consumer, it sounds like a good idea regardless. You know, and sometimes it can be oversold. You know, sometimes when you think about, hey, I'm going to take money from my IRA. I'm going to go ahead and pay tax. I'm late 50s, late, late 50s early 60s. And I might as well just pay the tax on it. And for the next 20, 30 years, all that money's tax-free. Why should I not do that? That seems, you know, seems like the right thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, so, yeah, I mean, you kind of shake the hands with the government right now and pay the taxes. You, 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 the bill is done. And then all of a sudden, you, you, this account that you were expecting to pay taxes on throughout your lifetime or, or throughout the distribution of those accounts, you just kind of solidify it right now. And it makes sense. Right. But there's more, there's more to it than, you know, how do we make it make sense to a client? Right. How do you quantify it? Right. And so as a, as a financial planner and, and Mo and I looking through these uh, scenarios consistently through your, through your plan, um, first and foremost, it, there's not a specific age requirement to do this. Um, it could be applicable at any time, so long as financially it makes sense. Right. Uh, from a taxable standpoint for you in that season. Things that we're considering, I'm going to speak, we're going to speak to it just because we're limited on time from a retirement standpoint. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now this doesn't mean you can't convert at 30 years old. I do a backdoor Roth contribution. That essentially is a conversion. Yeah, We have a lot of clients that are doing that. Right. So that is a conversion as well. You're putting money in the IRA, converting it to the Roth, but to speak to it from a retirement standpoint, um, things that we're considering first and foremost the the first consideration would be the bracket. Yes. Okay. Now, you might say to yourself, well, what bracket's the best rate to convert in? And I think that's actually the wrong question. The biggest question is, is projecting your retirement, what is the what is the average rate, federal rate, that it that you're going to consistently pay today and forever? Okay. Um, and I think that's the first number you got to come up with. And I think for a lot of our clients, the, uh, initially when we when we get to know you guys in the very first part of the conversation before you're even a client, um, that's kind of a misconception. A lot of people think they're going to be in a lower tax rate later, and they're not. Mm-hmm. 
When you actually look at the combined income from pensions or uh, distributions from IRAs or required minimum distributions along with Social Security, you find yourself at a relatively close federal rate to what you're currently at. Yeah. Okay. And so the first step is, is, hey, where are you going to be at? And what's that rhythm look like from a taxable standpoint? Yeah. Once we can identify that rate rhythm, if you will, then we come back and we throw a few other things at it. Are we at a place today where we could pay a lower rate or the same rate while converting money? Meaning, can we convert funds at the same rate in which you're already going to be paying today and forever? That's question number one. That's question number one, yeah. Yeah, that, that is a big misconception that people have. You know, they think once you and, – and, and, and when you think about it, it's like, well, my earned income – will be stripped away from my income stream. So naturally that would cause a reduction in taxes. And I think that's what the mindset is. Uh, but when you, when you, when if you just look at the tax brackets right now, when you think about it, uh, a, a married filing, married couple filing jointly, call it 22% tax bracket. That is between 89, four, let's call it 89,500 to 191,000, give or take, right? That is a wide range. So even if you stripped out some of your earned income, depending on you know how much income you make, you may just still find yourself in that same tax bracket from, you know, great earnings in a market, um, lucky enough to have a pension and Social Security. You may just still wind up being in that same tax bracket. That's exactly right. You you also not only need to consider the rate, the federal rate that that you're going to be in, and the and the rate in which we can convert to stay within that price range. The other thing would be uh, if you're over the age of 65, Medicare Part B premium oh, or income limitations. That is so miss. It, it's missed so, so often, often. But income-related monthly adjustments, uh, a.k.a. IRMA, is another uh, number that you have to be conscious of, which is why this starts to get a little bit more complex because the the range, income range, is, is a little bit different than your typical federal rate. Right. Okay? And when you bust these levels – as an example, if you go into 195,000 or more in in uh, um, oh shoot modified adjusted gross income, sorry, MAGI modified adjusted gross income, which is essentially everything. We can talk about that if you need have any questions on it. Um, then your premiums going up for you and your spouse, and not just sig- not just a, a small amount. I mean that premium can be increased to a, to a total tune of four hundred dollars per person per month, Ooh. right? Mm. Yeah, so so that that's a significant price to pay. It doesn't mean you don't need to do it. it just needs to be mindful of it to ensure that it still quantifies out correctly and makes sense for you long term. Right. You know, um, and then lastly, Mo, I think the other element that has to be thought of is if you're under age sixty five from a healthcare standpoint. If you're under age sixty five, and whether or not a conversion is going to impact your ability to qualify for healthcare subsidies. Mm. Okay. Um, because otherwise, when you think about it, you could be converting money and the amount of money you convert directly affects the subsidy to the tune of the amount, oftentimes the amount of money you converted, right? you know, and therefore you're paying out just as much as you converted. Essentially, you're, you're just wasting money. You wasted money. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a great point. You know, cause if you, if you're not taking social security, for instance, and you have, uh, and you start converting that the uh, 
the subsidy is very substantial. What is it, over $20,000? Yeah, it could be over $20,000 total. It could be over $20,000 total. And what, what are, why are most people, what are most people's concern if they retire prior to 65 is health insurance. And so if you're able to get that subsidy, basically have the government pay for a portion, if not all of your health insurance coverage during the time frame, then converting and, and leaving that on the table just doesn't make much sense. It doesn't make, it doesn't make much sense. Converting to the level where you talk, where you get yourself out of that um, opportunity to get the, to get the um, subsidy, to get subsidy. Right, right. But on the flip side of that, and these are just, uh, you know, uh, this is going to be confusing probably to you guys as a view, as a listener, but the reality is this is why this is a complex conversation. The flip side of that would be that without converting, some clients are leaving money on the table. Uh, we have ran into clients prior to them coming on board. And I ha- I'm thinking of a, a scenario of a good a good uh, friend right now who's a client of ours who, if he doesn't convert, he's wasting the standard deduction because he's living. He, they're not taking Social Security. Um, well, one spouse is. And they're living off of essentially savings. Okay, for the season, which means they're wasting a subsidy every I mean, not a subsidy, wasting a standard deduction every year. Okay, so health care subsidies, standard deduction, federal rate, Part B premium income related monthly adjustment four primary uh, elements that have to be considered Mm -hmm. to make sense of a conversion. The last one, probably the most important one, in my opinion is the rate in which you're already distributing. Mm. A lot of this can make sense. Maybe two or three of the items you can check off. But if you have an increased pressure rate, withdrawal rate, meaning that out of the available IRA money that you have, you're already distributing three and a half, four percent 4% or more, the pressure in which you've already created overrides your ability to be successful with a conversion long-term. Just because of the just because of the pressure of withdrawals, yeah, right. and and also if you this isn't this isn't this is something to think about, not necessarily or how we convert or you know what we think about when we convert. Another thing we think about when we're converting is the risk you're taking in your plan, right? So if we if we're planning to convert, and the idea is the conversion, the Roth dollars may not be used for for you know five, seven, 10 years down the future, then the question of whether we should take a little more risk with those tax-free dollars, if they're going to be our, you know, our bucket of, of distribution, you know, 10, 15 years down the road. So something to think about. Absolutely. There's, there's it is a lot. A- there's a lot. There, that's why planning is so fun, in my opinion. Right. And, and, and it's so, so needed. You know, these conversations, these things to think about are so needed, uh, you know, when we do our workshops, when we, you know, speak with our clients during our annual annual meetings, it's these are all the things that we're talking about to make sure that we're putting together a successful retirement plan that goes, you know, more beyond just, you know, stocks and bonds and rates of returns. And I think lastly, the, the, the opportunity cost of missing out on something you should have done, especially with conversion is significant. Yeah. You know, you take a client who doesn't take advantage of the standard deduction. They don't convert money on top of that. Otherwise, they're paying, call it 22, 24% federal rate. You just you just save them or made them 22 to 24% on that transaction um, just by being mindful of how all the elements are moving within their plan. So um, if you're out there, listen, 
Mo and I uh, and our team here love, absolutely love the the way that we're structured and designed to think through your plan. With that said, it is a joint effort. And so if you haven't, if we have not discussed uh, Roth conversions with you and you're sitting there thinking, you know what, they may not know that I've been, that I went out on my own and started my own business this year and I don't have a whole lot of income or I've been laid off for a good part of the year living off savings and, or my emergency fund and I don't have a lot of earned income. If you have a scenario that you're thinking, hey, I might be a fit for a conversion that they just don't know all the details yet. This is a team, you and I, you and Mo us together to make sure that you're making the right decision. So be certain to reach out to us and let us know sooner than later. That's right. That's right. Any extra? No extra. Um, You know, just as always, we're here for you. So if you have any questions, give us a call or reach out to us. Email, call, text. We're here for you. Absolutely. Hope you guys have a blessed week. Investment advisory services offered through Asset Management Group, a registered investment advisor. Andrew Knight and Moise Param provide general information, not individually targeted personalized advice, and are not liable for the usage of information discussed. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles should not be considered investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell any of these financial vehicles. This information should also not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with a professional specializing in the fields of tax, legal accounting, or investments regarding the applicability of this information for their situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Any comments regarding safe and secure investments and guaranteed income streams refer only to fixed insurance products. They do not refer in any way to securities or investment advisory products. Fixed insurance and annuity product guarantees are subject to the claims paying ability of the issuing company or enter offered through Asset Management Group. By contacting Asset Management Group, you may be provided information regarding the purchase of insurance products.